Hello my partners in crime, welcome back to Murder Analyzed for another true crime. Now before we get on to today's crime, I want to talk about a few things. First of all, if you've seen the notice in the community page, and I put a lot on the community page, so if you'd like to go over and have a look at that, I would appreciate it. Lace is always telling me that I need to say at the beginning, would you please subscribe to our channel, that would be wonderful. You can hit the notification bell and the like bell. You can follow us on Facebook and on Instagram, on our podcast, on Spotify, all the links are on there. You can join our members, um, which um, is lots of things are going on at the moment on there. So that would be lovely if you'd like to join that. Also, I want to talk to you about this new thing that's um, come onto our channel and that's called Super Thanks. And you also get super stickers and this, that and the other. Now to tell the truth, I don't know much about it myself yet, but I'm going to read about it, but I know it's for people um, like yourselves who like to comment and, and stuff on our channel and also find other ways if you don't want to be a member that you can help support our channel because it does cost a lot of money whether it's equipment or you know editing because as you know I do everything myself from filming to editing to everything all the graphics everything you see I do plus also now with the interviews and the backstories and stuff that we're bringing on um, to the channel. So be, I would really appreciate it and I really am thankful for your help. So that's sort of bit out of the way. Talking about comments, I appreciate any comment that you have as long as it's respectful and it's respectful for myself and also to the other members on this channel and all the subscribers on this channel. We are encourage anyone to leave a comment. Now I've had some comments not only from the victims' families, um, but also from, um, I, I'm going to say it from um, the case of uh, John Finney's case um, of uh, Norman Jones's family. Uh, now I appreciate that because I only put out the material that we can find and stuff like this and if it's stated that there was uh, DNA evidence and stuff then that's what I've stated. But if you know any different and you have facts, you know, real facts to that um, fact that there was no DNA, I'd be really interested to speak to you. So I really thank you for your comments, all comments. And um, I think I can tell your frustration in the, your comments, but um, you were still very polite. And I actually agree with you. I've never said that I believed that anyone had chucked John Finney's um, head and hands over the uh, very absolutely ridiculous idea so I agree with you on that but I just want to remind everyone that you know um, if I only remove comments that are you know they may not be what we believe in ourselves, um, and I will still leave them up but as long as the comments are you know respectful to everyone then them comments will be left up and um, a lot of the times though there is some that even I don't get to YouTube and, and that will have removed before I could even get to them. So I'd like to thank you all for your comments and you know thanks for joining us and thank you for your support with Murder Analyzed. Right now on to this case. Now this case you know I come across this case because I've done the jigsaw murder case which is a shocking case in itself and let me tell you about the jigsaw murder case. Lacey is on 
to finding out whether um, Stephen Marshall was actually related in any way to the Adams family and I will let you that, know that information shortly when we get the full details of his um, you know, history, um, ancestry. Um, Lace is very good at that. But this case I want to talk to you about today is this uh, it's Joseph's um, Oban Hansley case. Now, I mean, when you first read this case, it's a shocking case anyway, right? It, it really is. It's about a man that you, um, when I first read it, I just thought that it was his first crime and he'd met this 46-year-old um, uh, Tammy and they had a relationship and I think the relationship was over and he literally stabbed her to death. And that was bad enough. So I, at the time when I first researched this case, I thought I thought it was like a domestic sort of case. Oh, but as you research this case more and more, it really just opens up now into this absolutely madness from all sides, really. It's graphic, right? This case is graphic. And I'm going to tell you now there is parts in this case of not only dismemberment of um, the body, but also the cannibalizing of the... Listen, he ate parts of her brain and they and parts of her uh, internal organs, this man. So this case is a shocking case from all angles, but it's also shocking that this man had previous history of extreme violence, of murder, of murder before he'd done this. 14 years prior to that, this man had already murdered his ex-girlfriend. He shot her. He actually shot his mother in the back. He shot his sister and then he shot himself in the chin. Now the bullet then lodged in the frontal lobe of his brain. Now he states that that bullet in his brain actually calmed him down. And then he's gone to prison, he's come out and we're gonna go through all this case about this man. Dangerous man very dangerous man. What he done to Tammy is absolutely disgraceful. It is a, like a horror movie. You couldn't write it. If he was writing a horror movie, you wouldn't write it like this. So anyway, let's get on with this case. So Joseph, you know, he walked into a Utah court and this was like 14 years ago, 16, 17 years ago now maybe, um, with this bullet lodged in his frontal lobe of his brain and he chose the words to have tattooed across his back and that was murderous deeds. That's what he had tattooed across his back, murderous deeds. I mean this is telling you something about this man's personality before we even get into it really, isn't it? And I suppose you could have called it, was it a confession? And that's what some people have said. Or was it a warning about what was really to come from this man? See, don't forget when he walked into them court all them years ago, um, charged with the murder of his girlfriend and the attempted murder, you know, of his mother and, the, you know, at the sister, because he shot them. He shot his mother in the back. And then to have this and go in this call. But this case is also about the system's failure to protect society from someone like Joseph. Really, you know, it's about the parole board and as you know, I slate this parole board left, right and centre. So listen, this is a Jacksonville case in the USA and the murder 
we are actually dealing with, I suppose, the murder of Tammy Jo Layton. But also we're looking at the system here. We're looking at how someone like Joseph was allowed to be let set free after doing what he'd done. The parole board and then moving states and stuff and should have been recalled on many, many um, stuff because I think when he killed his first girlfriend, who was 17 at the time, he was in, you know, methed out of his head really, or methadone. He was just not um, in his right state of mind, you could say, if you was looking at it from that case. And this case also brings up different defences, whether someone like that, like Joseph, who can do all this to people. Um, he stood trial the first time, I think, done 10 years, was released out, comes out on parole, not really managed, he should have been took back for any little thing, especially if he was on drugs or whatever what else he was doing. Because he was so violent, you see, he's such a violent man, he has a history of violence you know of you know shooting people shoot you know he also obviously it was his girlfriend or the ex-girlfriend that he shot who was 17 year old so he doesn't like this abandonment feeling he doesn't want to be left if you're going to leave him he's going to kill you and i think maybe this is what happened with tammy he didn't try and eat the body parts of the first victim but he certainly did um of tammy that's what he's told them that he um cooked up her brain and there was parts of her body missing there was also you know stuff in the um, at the crime scene that suggested that um, parts of her body and her brain was cooked so there's a lot to this man but then we have to think can he stand trial is this a man that's so deranged that he doesn't know right from wrong or are we talking about a man that knows right from wrong, but just doesn't give a shit. He's gonna do it anyway. So at first it was really touch and go whether this Joseph could stand trial. And in the end, it come about that he did. He was, um, you know, proven to be sane uh, enough to that he knew that he couldn't use defense of diminished responsibility or insanity, however you wanna call it because it was sort of worked out, I think, by his behaviour and what he said, that he knew right from wrong. He just didn't want to follow them sort of rules of what we call, you know, normal behaviour in society. He literally wanted to um, do whatever he wanted and thought he could get away with it. So I think Joseph was 33 at the time when he killed Tammy, but we have to look back at the first crime, right? Many years before. He killed the ex-girlfriend, shot the mother in the back. I think he attempted to murder the sister or shot at the sister. Then to put the gun to his chin and fire and where that brain caused like a partial lobotomy really. So some damage was done, right? Without a doubt. But He'd already shot his girlfriend, shot at the mother in the back, shot at the sister, but missed, I think, before he took the gun and it lodged in his frontal lobe to even probably cause more damage. 
So he already knew right from wrong. And in his own words, he has said that that gun that lodged in his frontal lobe, actually, and I think this is what he has told um, some psychiatrists, that it calmed him down. It made him feel more at ease after that bullet was lodged in his brain. So God knows what this man would have been capable of before this. So let's look now at when we talk about him, about this parole board. So after he's done this first lot of killings and attempted murders and shot himself and everything else, he's gone to court, of course he's been charged and he's gone to prison. So we know now he's in prison. And to tell the truth, this man should have been in prison for the rest of his life for what he did for taking the life of his 17 year old girlfriend just for attempting to shoot your mother in the back or shooting your mother in the back and shooting somebody else that surely should have held a life sentence now that was in Utah because that's where we know the court case was but they didn't give him life you see they didn't give him life at all because they think you know, these parole boards that you've done a bit of time, you know, and maybe your um, brain has calmed down because you put a bullet in your own brain, so you've had some remorse there. So you're all right then to be let out into the public. How wrong were they? Now, you have to, you know, with the parole board, we spoke, listen, you know I slate this parole board because I can, I can never believe what I'm reading with these parole boards. But when you have the members of his own family, of Joseph's own family, telling the parole board that this man should never be let out because he's a monster, he's dangerous, he's going to kill someone again. But they disregard, you see, anything that this family is telling them. People that know him, deeply know him, have probably lived with this man, this idiot, all their life. You know, he's shot the mother now. He's attempted to shoot the sister. This family have had enough of this boy. They finally got rid of him. Really, when you think about it, thank God he's in prison probably for the rest of his life. That's what they would have been thinking. Not thinking that 10 years down the line they'd have to go and stand in front of a parole board and beg for this man to be kept in prison because of how dangerous he is. Only for the parole board to say, no, we know better than you we're going to release him. He's changed. He's remorseful. He won't do it again. We're going to put him on license. We're going to manage him. If he does one thing, he'll be brought back. Really. So still on parole. This man has now been out for about two years, right? He's still on parole. Of course, he's going to be on parole for a long time because they're managing him, you know. Does anything wrong, he goes straight back. Well, he was arrested twice in two years twice in two years and he was never it was never revoked he wasn't brought back to prison and um, to serve out his full sentence um, he wasn't now a lot of them were used to, um, I think driving offenses and um, there was some assaults I think and uh, also some drugs so the things that would have give you red flags really well anything to tell you the truth should have been a red flag because if someone is reformed someone doesn't want to go back to prison they wouldn't then go and do illegal things 
to put themselves in that position to be brought back to prison. Most people that's out on license like that, on parole, don't do anything wrong, they don't want to because they don't want to go back. This man didn't care. He just kept on doing it. So I think it was about spring uh, time when he met uh, Tammy Joe, and his criminal behaviour was getting even worse and worse. It was escalating anyway. I think it was Clarks County that they, he had already started really and they was already knew him. They knew of him. But I don't know if they knew about his past or if they did, they were the ones that were sending the information to Utah and they have said, I mean, there's different stories going about here, right? Let's be honest. We have Clarks County saying, yes, we did inform the Utah Parole Board and everything else about his criminal behaviour. They did not respond. They should have been the ones to be recalled. Clark County could only deal with the issues that the criminal offences that he was doing in that area at that time. His recall back to prison would have come from Utah because they're the ones that had the jurisdiction over that warrant, really, that revoke, to revoke someone back to prison. So Clarks County have said um, that they did send all this information about him and his escalating crime, but nothing was done. Then you have from Utah saying they didn't know that he was breaching any of, you know, the parole um, board's um, recommendations and um, so they didn't recall him because they didn't know. So we have now backwards and forwards going on. So we don't know the truth, so I'm telling you both sides, you can make up your own mind, but whatever, whether they did or they didn't know, you know, someone should have stopped this man. It just shows that the system was not working at the time when this man was doing all these crimes and escalating up now to doing the most heinous crime that anyone could possibly think of. So it has been stated that he had told Tammy about his past, but it was very, you know, it's vague about it. He didn't want to know everything. He said he was a kid and he'd got over it and he was sorry for it, he had remorse for it. That's what it sort of states. But I don't think because of his vagueness that she really knew of the person that she was getting into a relationship with. Because, you know, you're doing these little crimes you know, um, the drugs and you're doing, you know, driving, drink driving, all these sort of things. Your, your, your criminality is now building up. And I don't think she thought, like any of us, well, he couldn't have been that bad or else he would be recalled. So it was like a false security for her because most people think, okay, you're going to go out of a criminal, right? Many people do and not all criminals end up doing what this man did and not all criminals are murderers either right and especially when they're young people make mistakes and as they grow up they grow up and grow out of that sort of behavior this man didn't this man was quite calculated i think and i think this is why he must have known right from wrong because when you're telling someone the vaguest story about all right you're trying to be honest and truthful in your own way but you're being vague. You're being. You're holding back information because, listen. If anyone knew what this man had really done, they wouldn't have gone near him with a barge pole, would they? No woman in her right mind would have gone near Joseph. They just wouldn't have done it. She would have run a mile, but she did.
she stayed with him, started a relationship with him. Really, to her detriment, really, because it's what ended her life. And I think this sort of, Tammy was a very nice girl. I think this is all we, we can gather from what her father said. And what her father said about Joseph's and her relationship was that Tammy did know certain things about his past. She did. But she wanted to give him a second chance. She believed it was because he was young and he needed support. And she wanted to be there and support him. She was older than him. She was 46 at the time of her death. So she wanted to support him. And, you know, that's what she did. She believed in him. Now, ladies, or gentlemen, really, when you have someone which comes from a criminal background like this man, Joseph, and they try and tell you the story of their life and how bad it has been for them and you know how it wasn't their fault and you know these things happen because you're young you need to really look into that more before you decide to go into a relationship with anyone with this sort of a background you know you can't believe everyone on face value you shouldn't believe anyone on face value because you know it could, you could end up like Tammy where it could end your life so, you know, this is the best warning I think these sort of cases can give you for your awareness of your own safety and to take some, you know, action into who you're actually getting into relationships with. Okay, so here we're going to go now on to this controlling behaviour from Joseph's now towards Tammy. Because she loves him, she trusts him, she's allowed him in, right? She's trying to help him. Then he starts with this controlling behavior. You're not allowed on Facebook to talk to your friends. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to wear this. You're not allowed to do this, that or the other. Control, coercive control is now starting. But you see, Tammy is 46. She hasn't been in that sort of a relationship before. She doesn't know what to do. She's stopped seeing her friends because that's what he's told her to do. Now she's withdrawing. She's now withdrawing from society because now he wants that total control. This is why he killed the first one because she wouldn't go along with what he said and he was much younger then. This man's now a 33 year old man. Killer now, killer. And you now know he's a killer because he's told you and he's only told you in a roundabout way but you know. So deep in your mind, Tammy must have been thinking, I'm going to have to do as I'm told. And she starts to withdraw now from her family. She starts to withdraw from her friends. She starts now, to, her personality starts to change. Because really she's got no personality left. She's not allowed to have one. Because now he's even controlling that from her. But the fear in Tammy must have been enough to think she has to get away from him in the end. She knew if she hadn't. She was going to die anyway, really. So, okay, she's made the move. She's left him. She's, that's it. But within a few days, you see, just a few days, Tammy's desecrated body was found in the bathtub. It, that's what it done to her. Because she left him. Because she no longer believed in him. She left him. He couldn't control her anymore. So if I can't control you, I'm going to kill you. 
and then he didn't just kill her, did he? He didn't just stab her to death in the bath. He stabbed her, he took a jigsaw, he cut into her head, he took parts of her brain out of her head, he took body parts from her, he cut them body parts out, and then he cooked them and he ate them. Because he, he wanted, in his mind, total control. And he got it. In his own way, he got it. And this is what makes this case so disturbing. Because she was 46, never been in this relationship before. She was an older woman, not talking about a 17 year old. She was older than him, but that control kicked in. The only difference with Tammy being 46 was that she had enough sense to try and get away. So you can lock yourself in these rooms, that's what she did. She locked herself in her flat. She ran a bath, took a bath, he got in and he killed her and that's what he done to her. It's a very sick individual, very very sick individual but again it's about power and control and when that power and control was trying to be taken away from him that's how Joseph really reacts to that. He is a natural born killer, this man and he couldn't, I don't even think the kill was enough for him, he wanted to show her he wanted to have power over her even after her death and that's what the cannibalism was about the eating of the body parts and the brain I mean the scene that these police found this young girl in really is shocking it's shocking some of these police will never get over this of what they found on that day of what he did to Tammy they'll never get over it and her family certainly will never get over it so anyway, I think it wasn't 10 years, it was 12 years he served. And now he served that in Utah prison and he was released in July 2012, given a 12-year sentence, you know, for the murders of the other girlfriend. And again, we now know it was about coercive control. He, he, she wanted to leave him. He weren't having none of it. He killed her, shot the mother, attempted murder on the sister. The, they, the whole family have now told this parole board not to release this man. Throw away the key. That's exactly what they said. He is dangerous. He will kill again. Within two years of being released, two years of being released, in 2014 this was, this murder of Tammy. 2014, this man had not only murdered another woman, an innocent woman, because she had left him. He had then eaten her brain and parts of her body. And really now we took this man back to court and they're all arguing all these people over yes he should have no he shouldn't have we didn't know we should have locked him up yes they should have locked him up they should have never released someone out after 12 years with this sort of history and i think this is what this case is really about the highlighting of the system is wrong it's a system of wrong so he's gone from utah now to jacksonville literally within two years and murdered someone the system is flawed. It's flawed. I don't know why we have to think that we need we can rehabilitate someone like Joseph or other killers like him. Why the parole board believes what they're doing is right when you have family members, family members telling you not to release this man. But they overpowered them because they have the law on their side, you see the parole board, they know better. Well they don't know better. So everything I always say about the parole board has come true, isn't it, again, really, in this case. Again, 
whether it's a different country, you know, a different set of parole people, they're all the same. They try and do, you know, they say what's best for society. Was release, releasing Joseph out of prison after 12 years for such horrendous crimes in the first place to then go and commit even more horrendous crimes? Of course they wasn't right. Of course, how could they even be proven right? The system needs to change. Now, I've said before, you know, how are we going to do it? Because, you know, they say they're representing the society. No one in society would have allowed this person out of prison with the background that this man had. No way. There's no way. When you have a family telling you this man is deadly, throw away the key. The best thing to do with this man is to throw away the key. They just didn't listen. But then as he's coming to trial, Joseph, now we have to think because of his crime, right, because of the severity of his crime and because really of the facts of this case of this crime, would someone in the normal state of mind have killed Tammy and then eaten her body parts? Well, yes, they are. You haven't got to be mad right and not know what you're doing to do a crime like this you've just got to be bloody bad you've just got to be bad now we already knew this man knew what he was doing because he had lied to Tammy he had tried to you know put a you know decrease his sentence of why he got this sort of sentence not to say that it's you know I didn't mean it but I was very young you know it didn't really happen like that this man was a manipulator he was a manipulator. He really was. And he was going to kill and kill and kill. And if he hadn't been caught this time, or they let this man out again, well, you know, <laughs> some parole board there must be sitting. Think they need to lose their jobs, most of these people. They do. And these agencies need to be investigated. Because if Utah had sent information about Joseph's, you know, breach of his bowel conditions, he should have been he too should have been tucked into custody straight away to serve the rest of his time. All right, that may have saved Tammy, right? That may have saved Tammy because in 2014 he killed her. But it probably wouldn't have saved the next one because they were, they were always going to release him at some point. And this man would have always killed again at some point. Now, there was other issues leading up just before this murder of extreme violence between, I think, attempted murder of somebody else. There was a lots of things going on in the world of Joseph and his criminal um, escalation, right? The crimes were escalating. It was now becoming more violent. He was violent to other people. Um, he thought nothing of attacking someone. And, but no recalls were done at all. So yeah, it's a, it's a shocking case this one because really he shouldn't have been in Jacksonville at that time to have met Tammy for her to be murdered. He, he, he just shouldn't have been. There's no way. He should have been in prison where he belongs the rest of his life. That's where he should have, where he should have been. It's difficult, isn't it? Because I slate these parole boards all the time and I try to someone to come back and say, you know, no, you're wrong, you're wrong. No, no, we're not wrong. The system, the whole criminal system needs to be changed. It does, because it's just not bloody working, is it? Really? I mean, this was 2014, not a lot has changed, really. It took years to get this man into court because, you know, 
yeah, we got to see what his defences was going to be, and of course he was he was going to go for diminished responsibility because, as I said, you know, you do this certain crime, anyone normal or normal like us or normal, um, wouldn't do them sort of crimes. Well, people who know right from wrong do. People that can lie and manipulate someone into believing that their crimes that they committed weren't as bad as they were then to go on to murder that person knew what he was doing because if he didn't know what he was doing he wouldn't think anything wrong in telling you what he done would he you see what i mean and i think this is how in the end they've decided that yes he was to stand trial for the murder of tammy he he was and he was sane and he was you know clearly understanding of what he's done was wrong and I think this is why this trial then went ahead and um, yeah he was fit to stand trial and absolutely I think it would have been shocking outcome after all that if they'd given him diminished responsibility and locked him up in a criminal institution really and then at some point the man would have been let out again this way they knew then that they could go for you know a real harsh penalty on this man and put him away for the rest of his life where he belongs so listen we have this utah board of parole and pardons right this agency and they could have issued this warrant now this is this greg johnson saying this is a coordinator uh, or administration coordinator it's a, he said it's a real tragedy 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 in this case uh it's all really tragic that johnson said um he don't know he doesn't really know where the breakdown of it happened you know to to really to where it come to this listen administration right of paperwork and everything else gets lost and sometimes you know things happen but we're talking about serious criminals here that this parole board and pardon agency you know really look after we're not we're not talking about oh you know is there a fine being paid or, or or whatever you know you're talking about the lives of our general public in all countries right when we have these sort of perpetrators out on the loose this is what we have and when they are committing certain crimes and some violent crimes within this two-year period he should have been recalled straight away should they listen it should be any any issue that they, any breach that they are recalled for because in this country it's any breach you know you, it is you can't break the law you know but he was then being released out on bail for like a thousand dollars then he had a twenty five thousand dollar bail put on him because of this violent crime that he undertook but then the next judge dropped it or because his solicitors asked him to drop it because he couldn't really you know afford that dropped it to five thousand and then the ten percent deposit of that then was his bail money to get out so but if we'd give him a $25,000 bail he couldn't have afforded that right he couldn't have afforded it he would have still stayed in prison sooner or later then the parole board would have picked up on this and he would have been not only just charged for that crime that he had done he would have gone back and then spent the time he was meant to do but when we have people now trying to you know lawyers and stuff trying to fight to get these people out and their bowels lowered so you know but you've got a five thousand um dollar bow and you you have to come up ten percent of that you know how easy are we making it for these criminals to walk out of prison or walk out 
you know, really on remand because you've set the bell so low. You know, when you were talking about very violent, violent crime here. Uh, it's shocking, really, to me. And the more you look into this case, the whole system is shocking. From even dropping that bail money to where someone like him couldn't afford 25000 would have protected people from this man. It would have protected society from this man. Because, okay, his victim was Tammy, but really his victims could have been anyone. It could have been anyone, because really this man didn't care. It's very, very violent. Very, very violent. And also on drugs and different things like that. And the drugs is an excuse. It doesn't give you an excuse to be violent. And you can't use it as a defence, any alcohol on drugs. But it does make him more, you know, more likely to commit crime because of the drugs that he is taking. That's the issue with the drugs. And especially when he was under the influence of meth when he killed his first girlfriend. Um, you know, what was he under the influence of when he did all that to Tammy? You know, it, it means something, these small crimes. And then as, as it was going on, the two years was going on to where he become very violent and they thought he'd actually nearly killed a man. Um, broke down a door to get to the man, to kill a man. So these crimes were not insignificant. They were showing an escalation of violence here with this man. Now, the other thing is when we have someone like him being released from Utah prison and then moved, you know, and I've been to Clark County as where a lot of these crimes, these extra crimes took place as, as he was released out didn't really know about his violent past. So we are, I think, places like Australia and um, uh, uh, America, and in this case it's American, is where you have different states, and sometimes it takes time for them states to catch up. It has to be a national database, doesn't it, really? You know, we have so many state laws, even in Australia, you know, because I've lived there, different state laws, and you, you might have a warrant in this state, but it may not be in this state. This is sort of similar to American states. You know, there's a lot of people in America and there's a lot of paperwork and there's a lot of things going on. But if you have a national database where these warrants and stuff are issued, where then the, the, the Clark County um, police could have looked up and found that his violence and also outstanding warrants or, you know, it could be recalled at any time to the prison, it would have really helped them. They, you know, it's... It's a paperwork trail that just didn't work, I think. And I think I think there was starting then to overhaul and do different things. But it needs a whole overall system. It needs a really good database system that holds this information that is much easier to get these killers, because that's what he was, off the streets and back into prison. Because, you know, the probable's always going to be letting them out. They are. There's nothing we can do about that. But what we have to do is protect society from potential harm from people like that that are being released from prison early on uh, license, sometimes on life license. But if we can't track them and manage them while they're out and that keep our society safe, then that should be stopped until we can, until we can protect society from people like this. So let's talk about Joseph's bullet in the frontal lobe 
of his brain. He had told, I think, the parole board and uh, psychiatrist that um, he felt that that sort of calmed him down, slowed him down. But you, the thing is, the frontal lobe controls personality, right? As I said, he had a bad personality, didn't he, before he was he had this lodged in his brain. It also can, you know, controls like decision making. But again, you can't say it changed his decision because he'd already took the decision to murder his first girlfriend, shot his mother in the back, and the sister, attempted to shoot at her, before he shot himself in the brain. So the bad decision making was already there, wasn't it? Also, self-control. Again, he didn't have, or he had lacked self-control because he'd done the crimes previously before he shot himself in the head. We could say that the bullet to the frontal lobe may have made him lose any empathy at all, right? Any feeling or any fear at all. And that's why then maybe he decided to cook, you know, Tammy's brain and internal organs because maybe it took that but it can't be an excuse all of that because he'd already done previous murders and attempted murders before he shot himself in the frontal lobe and he may have been right as far as he was concerned that may have calmed him down a bit but listen it didn't stop him doing what he did did it he was very violent risk taker, manipulator, that's what he was. Tammy knew that she had met someone then as he started to show his true self, you know when the mask comes off, this mask of sanity, this man wouldn't have had it on there for long because out comes this evil man that she would have seen by his behaviour, this controlling behaviour, can't see friends, can't do this, can't do that. Now she's scared for her life. She knows she's got to get away. Her father knows she's got to get away. She's moved in with friends first. She's moved to her own place. The father's changed the locks. He's done everything he's got to do to protect his child from a killer like this Joseph. He's tried everything, but he's still got to her. He's still got to her. So it's really a big warning this, that when you have someone that you feel that you're being controlled by, right? You're, you know, you just met them. Look into them. Look into them. You're this inner feeling that a lot of us have, and you think mm, that's not right. It's probably not. It's probably not, because as in this case, you can't rely, can you, on the system to protect you, can you? Because it certainly didn't protect Tammy or everyone else that he attacked and abused at that time he was out, the two years he was out. The system is, can't protect everyone. And I keep saying the responsibility for us to keep ourselves safe is precisely that. You have the responsibility and you must make sure that you are safe and you have to make sure that the people that you bring into your life that you can trust in a certain way. Take your time ask questions. Tammy's friends looked online 
knew there was something wrong, but at first she wouldn't listen. Listen to the people that know and love you, because they're usually right. So, Joseph's, um, he admitted, right, to the killing of her straight away. He said, according to the court records, he said that he stabbed her in the head, the neck and the body. He removed part of her brain and he ate it raw. He then cooked and ate another section of it. He cut out her heart uh, and ate that too, along with parts of her lungs, he said. Now, <laughs> the reason I think he's done it is because this control and power over her. That was his last control over her. He just couldn't stand that being rejected, not wanted anymore. And that was his last part, his last control. So he actually did admit, no matter how much he's changed his story since, whatever, that's what he admitted to the police and the court, what, is it, what he actually did to Tammy. So this is the sort of overall um, history, I suppose, criminal history of him. So Joseph's on the December the 9th, 1998, killed his girlfriend, shot his mother and fired bullets into his head. On January the 7th, 2000, he pleaded guilty to the manslaughter sentence, no more than 15 years. So it wasn't murder they'd done him for manslaughter, so I probably said he didn't mean it because he was young. On, on July the 12th, 2012 he was released from Utah prison um, and parole and transferred to Indiana. On uh, March the 10th 2013 he was arrested for choking a man in um, Jeff, Jeff, Jeffersonville, released from jail on $1,000 bail. Um, on the 29th of July he was charged with strangulation and resisting law enforcement uh, and that was in the March incident. So again, he was charged with that. So he was even attacking the police. July the 31st, Indiana Parole Office alerts Utah authorities about the strangulation and the arrest of that. For that, on spring of 2014, he begins dating Tammy Joe Blayton. July the 21st, leads police on a slow-speed pursuit through two st uh, states. July 23rd. Indiana authorities alert Utah about the pursuit arrest, but his Utah parole expired the same day. The 31st of July, prosecutors agree to lower the bond from $25,000 to $5,000. Blayton pays the $500 bail. That would be the 10% of the $5,000. So Tammy paid the $500 to get this man out, and that was July 31st. Early September, um, Tammy ends their relationship. The 11th of September, um, he's accused of breaking into her home. Um, and then he goes on, then a couple of days later, to break into her home for the final time. Stab her to death, as I said, in the head, chest, all that, in the neck. Um, cut her up and eat her body parts. So okay, it's now 2020, 
as I've said, by the time now, from 2014 at the time of this murder of poor Tammy, to 2020, with all the legal wranglings that's gone on, whether he's sane, insane, can he stand trial, can he, can he not, he got life without parole in 2020 so this man will never be released again hopefully hopefully so listen this has been a shocking case hasn't it really and um i think it's important that we look at these sort of cases to make us aware really of the system failures and how easy it is for these systems to fail so this has been the case really of the cannibal killer that's what he is this man that you know um didn't care what he did and how he did it he just wanted that control it's about coercive control this it is about domestic abuse gone wrong but more so it's about the murder of tammy isn't it and how we should really look at these cases and understand that the system is flawed in all world countries right so the only way that we can protect ourselves is to make sure that we look at and and you know people that we may just meet we can't change someone no matter how sorry you feel for them you can't change someone tammy tried really and it cost her her life didn't it really the only person that can really protect you is yourself. So you need to be aware of when you meet someone new that you actually put a bit of effort into finding out whether they are really who they say they are. And if they have been to prison for any reason, just really check out why. Do some research. Don't rush into a relationship with anyone. It's not worth it. Because if they love you and they're a kind person, they're a good person they will wait they will wait but if there are red flags or if your friends are telling you about this person if your family is telling you listen there's something just not right most of the time they're right you know and you should listen so thank you thank you for hearing me out on this case and let's see how this case goes it's a shocking case and our thoughts really and you know care go out to Tammy's family because it's really really terrible isn't it what a crime to have her poor father I know he's absolutely devastated and, and to this day cannot get over what happened to his daughter so thank you for watching and until the next time bye bye